0: Well, hello and welcome everyone to the River Students Podcast. Guess what? We're back after six months, seven months, eight months, something crazy. However long. However long. Forever long. long. Forever long. Forever long. But it's okay. We missed you just as much as you missed us. I'm sure you missed us so much. Uh hey, it's Jared Moss here, Youth and Young Adults Pastor here at the River, and I'm here with my bro Zeke Wallace. Say hi, Zeke. Hello. Resident theologian in training, uh, resident um padawan of the spiritual Holy Ghost force and fire. Um, anyhow, learning the ways of the Jedi at a as a as young man. I'm I'm joking, but not. But we're we're this last weekend we watched Revenge of the Sith. Uh, together with a group of guys. Great. And we quoted, the, we, we, we referenced the theology of Star Wars, which in my personal opinion is the 67th lost book of the Bible <laughs> as an allegory. If God told Hosea to marry a prostitute to show a spiritual allegory, surely God anointed George Lucas, who is not a believer, I don't believe, with a special ability to capture uh, spiritual realities. Now, um, in all reality, we're hanging out today and we're talking about theology. Um, it's March, it's March the 3rd It's beautiful outside today The weather is nice And thank god that uh, While the storm and the winter freeze Was cool to watch for a day or two A couple weeks ago uh, The weather is turning What kind of climate are you? you like a winter guy? I like I'm warm I want it to warm? be hot Even hot I'll go that far I'm a summer dude Like hot,
1: hot like like, even if it's I want to be outside sweating Ugh. Swimming I want to be playing games Like ultimate Spring is allergies Fall gets cold. Mm-hmm. If it's snow during the winter, like the only reason I feel like winter is valid is because of snow. But if there's no snow, I feel like then what's the point? Then what's the point? Now, if it wasn't for allergies in fall or spring, I would like both of those. Most.
0: I'll tell you this. The winter really annoyed me though. Like the snow did. It was pretty for like a day or two and then it got ridiculous. I have always said I like the winter um, because I say you can fix the cold. Mm-hmm. You can always put more clothes on. And I do like coffee, so that helps too. Yeah. So boots – and, uh, and and jackets and coffee. I like winter in that regard. But I gotta say that after the roads were iced over and I couldn't go anywhere for about three days, I was like, all that right. That was not fun. I repent, Lord. I'm glad that I live in the south. I'm glad that it's hot and I'm looking forward to summer even more than ever. So but anyhow, it's a great March day and we're gonna fire these podcasts back up and we're gonna cover a meme, every single – meme. <laughs> a theme. A theme. <laughs> now that actually would be a good podcast, a meme podcast. <laughs> There we I, I, I follow this Instagram account, uh Youth Pastor Co. or whatever. They post some of the funniest memes, is absolutely hilarious. But anyhow, um, no, we're gonna cover a theme every month, and we decided to cover one of our favorite themes this month, and that's the topic of theology. Now that's one big word uh that sounds ridiculous, and um uh but you know, it's it's a it's a cool word. We like it. We're Bible nerds, we enjoy it a little bit. But tonight or today we want to talk a little bit about why theology matters. Theology is important and most Christians don't like it. And I'll ask Zeke this to start off. Have you ever heard uh somebody say, and I think this would be the best way that we would say it, don't give me theology, just give me Jesus. Yes. That
1: I think I think many people just don't understand what theology is and then they are and they're afraid of it. So one thing that we talked a little bit about this before Jared talks about how everybody's a theologian. Everybody has an opinion about God, and that is your theology. And now when you just look at the root of the word, theology, it literally means the study of God. Mm -hmm. So if you have an opinion, or even if you don't, that
0: shows your opinion. And so you're all theologians whether you realize it or not. Yes, the the atheist is a theologian. Yeah, The agnostic is a theologian. To have an opinion about God at all is theology and even the lack of an opinion thereof is theology
1: (laughs) so i think one of the things that people think people think theology is synonymous with phd professor Mm -hmm. and that's just simply not the case Mm -hmm. we are all almost required to be theologians whether you like it or not that doesn't mean go to college for eight years and pay seventy thousand dollars to get a piece of paper please don't do that by the way it doesn't mean you need a doctor in front of your name to be valid it does mean that you're supposed to be a responsible and informed individual yes. in the ways of the Lord and of the Scriptures. Yes. So, and I hate that people use that, like that phrase, "Don't give me theology, give me Jesus," mm-hmm. as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My biggest like frustration is whenever people like make excuses for why they sh- why they won't, mm-hmm. why they can't. Mm-hmm. When God, I mean, when you read the Bible, he took away every excuse. You don't have an excuse to not. Yep. So yeah,
0: you're required to mm-hmm. be a theologian, whether you like it or not. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've got the dictionary definition pulled up as we were talking theology. Theology, and obviously, ology is the study of anything. If, if you were a biologist, biology, right? Uh, any type of that. So uh, it says, theology, the field of study and analysis that treats of God... And of God's attributes and relations to the universe, study of divine things or religious truth slash divinity. And so the idea then is that it's just the study of God and how he we relate to Him if He exists, if He does not exist, any of that to the universe, like Zeke was talking about. And when I think of this, I think of a, a study or not a study, a quote by um, I believe it was A. W. Tozer, who was himself a theolog- uh, th- uh, theologian. But I believe it was the uh, A.W. Toaster. I don't know. I think he might have been a self-taught theologian. I heard that he loved theology and the English language because he wanted to be a really good communicator. And he would read for hours and hours books of the Bible, Uh, not just books of man, but books of the Bible. Because when you think of theology – you usually think of like, I'm going to go read a bunch of books about the Bible. Mm-hmm. But the greatest theologian doesn't read a bunch of books about the Bible. The greatest theologian just reads the Bible. Uh, he may know a little bit about the Bible and how it's laid out, but he, she will jump in and read it. And A.W. Tozer would read these books of the Bible constantly on his, while on his knees, interspersed with praying, asking God for understanding. And he said in one of his books, he said, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because it determines everything else that you think. Mm-hmm. And if you're, reading, if you're listening to that and you're an agnostic, you're an atheist, you're like, yeah, right. But think about it for a second. If you think that there is a God, you will live your life like there is one. Like Think of it like this way. When I was a kid and I did not know the Lord, I acted a little bit different at the skating rink on Friday night than I did like in the car with my parents. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that was? Well, there's a responsibility that you have. There's um, you're, there's an accountability right there. My parents are watching. Yeah, my the skating rink. My parents aren't watching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of like whenever you're in school and like uh, your teacher's there, and then the student the sub comes in, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm not doing anything today. Mm-hmm. I got a substitute. Why? Because there's a greater authority that you have relegated, whether knowing or unknowingly. To the teacher than the son. If you were to live your life like God is watching, and I don't mean like an antagonistic, like he's going to destroy you, sense, but literally, if God's real, you're living your life with the knowledge that there's a God and he sees. And you are accountable just from that knowledge. Just from that knowledge. And so if you remove the God that sees, you're the kid at the skating rink without parents. And furthermore, actually, not even just the kid without parents, you're the kids without chaperones or people that are the boss of the skating rink, mm-hmm. right? So what comes into your mind when you think about God Determine. is the most important yeah, thing.
1: It determines everything.
0: And then if there if there's not a God, you take a giant exit ramp to begin with and you live your life one way, right? Mm-hmm. But then, but A.W. Tozer didn't say if there is a God. He said, what comes into your mind when you think about God? Because Beyond whether or not there is a God, if you take the freeway that says there is a God, so I'm living my life in view that there's a God, right? You could go agnostic route, which is there is a higher power, but we can't know him. So whatever. Hopefully I'll be a good person. And that's where you get people, even people that claim to be Christians say, well, if I die, I think I'll go to heaven because if my good outweighs my bad. That's a very agnostic point of view because you're not living your life based on a creator that's revealed himself to you and given you his word. You're basing your life on, I can't know him, so I want to try but then even if you go the route of there is a God, he's revealed himself, right? Now we're going to read his word and study his, his heart, right? Or at least his mind. And then the question is, what do I think God's like? Because if God's a mean kid with a magnifying glass, looking over an anthill, and I'm the ant, I'm going to live my life like that's my God. Mm-hmm. If God is uh, a romantic uh, lover with a rose in his mouth and a violin that just needs me to complete him. I'm going to live my life like that. If God is both of those things, I'll live my life like he's both.
1: Yeah.
0: Or if he's something completely different, because my understanding of God, and that's why it's so important to read the word, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the idea is we are theologians at the outset. And if so, if theology, I've heard this said before, Z, don't, like, don't just give me theology, give me Jesus. Well, if theology is the study of God and Jesus is God, then it's kind of like saying, like, don't give me details about a girl that I like. Just give me the girl. You're like, well, that's how, how Well, how do you even like her yeah. without the details? I can't actually give you Jesus without giving you theology. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So, and I was even thinking about what I was going to talk about, like what, what I would reference. And many of the verses that came to mind, it would use knowledge. But in the context of the verse, knowledge wasn't talking about like brain knowledge. It wasn't talking about facts. It was in the context of knowing somebody, of an experience. Mm -hmm. So, and really, which we discussed this a little bit beforehand, the purpose of theology is to feed your experience. Mm. It's to feed your relationship. Right. I mean, I think Nathan Pinocchio compared theology to stalking a girl at you like on Instagram. It's, (laughs) I mean, how far. You've never done that, have you? No. Not even once, nope, I am <laughs> clean of that accusation <laughs> now, when it comes to you know your love, I mean, how far are you willing to go what yeah. you i mean I have right here in matthew six twenty one it reads where your treasure is, there your heart will be also mm-hmm. so what you care about you 're going to study, yeah, if you care about football. There are guys that I know that I will come up and I will expect them to talk about something in terms of football. Yeah, They will be up to date on the rosters, on the dealings, on who goes where, yeah. on the stats. You're going to know because you love it, Yes, which is not a wrong thing. Mm-mm. If you love something, you might as well just go all out. Mm-hmm. There are people that love cooking and will go the same way in that direction. People that love music and go that direction. If you love the Lord, mm-hmm. there is naturally going to be a theology, a treasure that you you find him as a possession that's highly valuable, as a person that's to be known, mm-hmm. to be experienced. So naturally, the value that you place on something, on someone, mm-hmm. determines the effort that you're going to put forth to get to know them, right. to experience them, to be with them, to have experienced witnesses with them, to make memories and long-lasting relationships mm-hmm. and have a future with them. Yeah. So it's only natural that you be theo- theologians because correct theology, not the doctorate, not the piece of paper, mm-hmm. not the professor in the classroom. Yeah. The love, the seek first, the yeah. kingdom of heaven and yeah. his righteousness. If you yeah. have a, th- a seek first theology that you like, he's the bread that I eat and he's the water in I drink. And yeah. I have to yeah. have him. It's so good. The correct, the correct theology will feed your relationship with Christ and it will strengthen it and it will make you all the more stronger. Yeah. In fact, if we continue this thought, yeah. Second Peter, he talks about these qualities and just to quickly go through them. And I want you to recognize the order. He goes, faith. This is second Peter five faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, and brotherly affection. Mm -hmm. Verse eight. If these qualities are yours, and increasing, mm. they keep you from being two things. The first is ineffective. Mm. The second is unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in order for you to be effective and fruitful, I mean, we, we know the, or the story. Why would you put a lampshade on a light whenever its goal is to light the whole house up? Yeah, that's foolishness put a light, Put a, it's a city set on a hill, that's what we're called to be, that's what we're supposed to be, that's the standard. Yeah. Without these qualities, you're a light under a basket. Yeah. You're, you know, you take your light and you're it under a bushel so that no one can see it. Right. Not only are you unfruitful, but you're ineffective. How are? You, how can you make disciples of all nations if you don't know what you're talking about? Yeah. How can you yeah. rightly defend the word if you don't know what you're saying? It's good. Verse nine, he goes even further, so verse eight, if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, which implies that you should be a student mm-hmm. and you don't graduate, you're mm-hmm. always a student. right If you don't have them, you're ineffective and unfruitful. Mm-hmm. Verse nine, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted mm-hmm. that he is blind Wow. Without wow. these qualities, he even goes as far to compare you to a disabled person, yeah. He continues having forgotten that you were cleansed from your former sins yeah so even he peter right here if you don't forget the cleansing of your former sins if mm-hmm. you remember mm-hmm. all that christ has done for you right the natural
0: response mm-hmm. is to seek first yeah yeah i was reading the prophet i believe amos today and the lord's just like seek the lord seek the lord that you wouldn't be destroyed God's just pleading with his people to seek him. I mean, I, I pulled up these verses on the knowledge of God, Colossians 1.10. I love that one, 2 Peter. So, Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you've forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children, 2 Peter three eighteen. but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? 1 Timothy 2, 4, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, right? So the scripture is filled with like this, man, you need to have the knowledge of God, this idea of the knowledge of God. And I was thinking about this, Zeke, like you were talking to me earlier about, um, I mean, just the idea of, erring when you don't have the knowledge of God or this idea of being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. I mean, if you lack knowledge in the physical realm, like what if nobody ever taught you how to tie your shoes? What if nobody ever taught you to brush your teeth, comb your hair, Where do You mm-hmm. know, the simple things. Uh, D- Damon Thompson uh, says this. He's a preacher. He says He says maturity, and he speaks spiritually, but he says in the physical, maturity is the consistent application of elementary principles. So the idea isn't that Maturity is about you knowing some high philosophical thought. It's you knowing how to be nice, knowing how to brush your teeth and take a bath and present yourself, right? And showing up on time, being dependable, working hard. Like these, There's five or six things that make you wildly mature compared to people. Right? In the same way, if we have a physical knowledge, we know that we're a body, soul, and spirit. How much more should we have spiritual knowledge, knowledge about God? It's very possible to have an immaturity in the things of the spirit. Whenever the Bible is laced with asking us to come to a knowledge of god but i'm thinking back to the idea of you talking about a difference between a brain knowledge and a spiritual knowledge how would you differentiate the two so and
1: this is actually really interesting i love when todd white talks about the bible he talks about how his first experience he had so much trouble reading the bible Mm -hmm. just because he could not physically he couldn't mentally understand it he could Mm -hmm. not comprehend what he was reading Mm -hmm. he had a huge problem uh like remembering verses he mm-hmm. would read He but they would do flashcards and he just could not remember to save his life. Yeah. He would read. He didn't understand what he was reading. He would, he didn't know why people raised their hands in worship. He just couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I know there are many people that just, that's their first, that's their first crutch that they lean on. When yeah. That's their first excuse sure. for why I can't is because I'm too stupid to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible's not meant for your brain. Right. So to continue this uh, this story with uh, Todd White, he reads, one day he reads in James 1, I believe. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let them ask God. Mm -hmm. And that was like his first light bulb moment
0: in Christianity. Yeah.
1: Because he realized, I lack wisdom. And from that day forward, he was able to ask God for wisdom. And God has opened up the scriptures for him in a way that he's never understood before. And now... When he preaches, yeah. he's able to preach with truth, mm-hmm. with clarity. Mm-hmm. He's able to pick pieces from here and over there in the mm-hmm. New Testament and Old Testament and this gospel and that letter. Mm-hmm. And he's able to create this beautifully well-written persuasion. And that's why that's such a big part of why he's such an effective evangelist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In
1: Ephesians 6, you know, the armor of God, you're given one offensive weapon. Mm. And one time I I, I think I asked Myself, I don't know if I was to ask myself or ask the Lord, like why is that all we got? And the answer I got back was simply because that's all you need. Mm. Yeah, the sword, the spirit of truth. Yeah, or the sword of the spirit, which, which is, is the Lord word of God. Yes, we have been given one weapon. Yeah, yeah. If you are in the military, one of the first things you're going to learn mm-hmm. is how your weapon works, mm-hmm. how to operate it, how to take it apart, put it back together, how to reload it how to unload it, how to clean it properly, how to take care of it. Yeah. How yeah. much more so mm-hmm. the one weapon that we've been given should we be familiar with? Yes. You never run into a, a battle without a weapon. You never run into a battle without right. a of fight. Otherwise, you're just a target. Yeah. Yeah. If you try to live your Christian life without your weapon, you are a big target for the enemy. Yeah, You're Easy. a hu- it's. It's the equivalent of like a wildebeest straying off from the side and the lions are going to pick that one out first. Yeah. You're the easiest to pick off. Yeah. Because you have nothing to fight with. Mm -hmm. You have nothing to fight. You have no sorts of grounds or substance. Right. So brain knowledge, difference between brain knowledge. Many people use the excuse of, well, I'm too stupid. Well, I'm too dumb. Well, I just don't understand. The Bible is not meant for your brain. Mm-hmm. It's meant for your heart. Mm-hmm. It's good. Now, your soul, so you're we're three parts, right? Mm-hmm. We're a body, soul, and a spirit. Right. When we're born again, our soul, our spirit is renewed. We mm-hmm. have a born spirit. And our soul, the job of our soul is to be. Renewed Mm -hmm. in Ezekiel, he talks about I'm going to give you a new heart, yeah, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh with my law inscribed upon it, yeah. And then in Romans and somewhere else, I forget, he talks about the renewal of the mind. Mm -hmm. So, your heart and your mind are to be renewed with the washing of the water of the word, yeah, which is back to that sword. Mm -hmm. Brain knowledge does nothing. Uh, there's scripture. Knowledge puffs up. Mm-hmm. Brain knowledge does nothing. It's like air in a balloon. It does nothing but give you size. Yeah. And in may, and in many cases, unfortunately, it also gives you pride.
0: Because mm, yeah. the
1: more you know, the yeah. more qualified you feel, which yeah. is not necessarily the case. God uses the foolishness, the fool, the foolish things to completely yes the confound the wise. wise. Yeah, exactly. So, brain knowledge, the gospel is not. Stuff that you learn. It's not a study guide and a spreadsheet that you take a test. Spiritual knowledge. Often knowledge is used in the context of knowing someone intimately, knowing someone personally, through Mm -hmm. personal experience. Right. Even if you don't have brain knowledge, Mm -hmm. which there are people, those of you who are listening who probably do, you don't have that excuse. And even if you do have that excuse, you've been given the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. You've been given a new heart. You've been given the word to wash yes. and to renew your mind. So don't let that lie trip you up and keep you there anymore. Yeah.
0: You have been given all the tools that you need. Yeah. I think of David, who was the man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that the greatest people that know the most of the Lord, I'm not talking about brain knowledge, but just really know him. I mean, and, and usually that will come with some brain knowledge. You'll remember scripture and things like that. But David specifically, said, Lord, open up my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law, Mm -hmm. from your word. So if the guy that knew God, arguably the most, before uh, I'd stop shy at saying John the Baptist, because Jesus said he was the greatest man ever born of a woman. And then Jesus, of course, to follow. But David, I mean, he said, God, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things of your law. Uh, I think it's Jensen Franklin is a really great pastor and preacher. And he wrote a book called Acres of Diamonds. And he told this story um, about a man who had a farm, had a really big farm and a nice home and, you know, loved his family, loved his kids and his wife. And he, um, but he was talking to a guy one day and past him, this guy was talking about how there were, there were diamonds that were being mined that were as big as, as big as a man's head Mm -hmm. in India. And he talked about a place and he's like, man, you've got to go. You've got to, you got to get in on this fortune. And this guy was a humble farmer, and um, the, or I say, I might have said the guy was in India. I think he was Australia or something. Anyhow, and he got home and got to thinking on that, and he's like, "Man, I could be so rich! Wow, that'd be amazing! I got to do it! I got to do it!" And this man left his uh, children and wife, and gave him a kiss. Told him he was going to be back in two months after he hit it big, essentially mining diamonds. And he went, and um, he started mining for diamonds. And he mined and he mined and he mined and he found nothing and nothing and nothing. And they started falling behind on the mortgage payments and stuff on the property at the farm. And eventually the man found nothing. He spent three, four, five months and lost everything, essentially, in this effort in this endeavor to find these diamonds in India. And one of the saddest things is he sent a letter back home to his family and said, there's nothing here. And he took his own life. And later on, a man bought the farm. A man that wanted the farm bought the farm to farm and he's farming, and he's tilling the soil one day, and he hits something. He opens up, it's a true story, he he, he he picks up this giant rock, and it's really weird looking, and it's kind of shiny, and he dusts it off, and he likes the way it looks, so he takes it home and sticks it on his fireplace mantle, in the home that the man who killed himself, that he's living with his wonderful family, lived in. And one day, he has a man over for dinner, and the man says, that's a really interesting piece on your mantle, what is that? he says, that's this giant rock looking thing I found out in the field. And the guy goes and looks, and he says, man, I think this might be a diamond. He said, you've got, to, you've got to take this to the jeweler. You've got to get this appraised. And he takes it, and it is an uncut diamond the size of a man's head in the farm that the man left after he heard a man talking about the diamonds in India in pursuit of the diamonds and he found, nothing, And the man began to dig, and he found diamonds all over the farm that the man had left in search of diamonds. It's a really sad story that's true, but Jensen, the preacher, makes the point that if we could see the way God sees, there's diamonds all around us. And that's a word of encouragement wherever you're at in your life. You know, if you're like, oh, there's nothing. I've got from this broken family. I'm from a split home. I'm in a mixed family. Me and my dad have a bad relationship. I was abused when I was a kid. We don't have a lot of money. I'm not smart. If you open, If you ask God to open your eyes, you'll see gems all around you on your own lot. Is the moral of the story. But the verse that Jensen Franklin used to start the story off, was that verse from Psalms, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things from your law. And Jensen made the point that in the word of God, if you approach it knowing there's diamonds buried there, then all you need isn't a bigger shovel. All you need isn't more brain smarts. You just need God to open your eyes. We're We're just dependent on the Lord giving us the opportunity that our till would hit the diamond and strike it. And when you're in the word of God, and you approach it and you ask God, back to what Zeke was saying, what you were saying, Zeke, about James and how he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and he'll give it. And he won't rebuke you for asking. When you, ask the God, when you ask the God of the universe that wants to reveal himself to you, see, this is back to theology. We know there's a God. We know that he wants to speak to us. That's why he gave us his word, right? He wants to reveal. He's not playing hide and seek with us. He wants us to know him, right? Yeah. So because we know that, that informs our thinking And if we know that his word is like bread, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So it's kind of like going a day without eating. You don't do that unless you're fasting because you know that if you feed yourself, you'll be nourished, especially if you're running a race, Mm -hmm. right? You need a certain caloric intake. This is theology. We're talking theology right now. If my theology is there is a God, he wants He made man, he wants to reveal himself to man, including this man, Jared. Mm -hmm. He's given me his word to reveal himself by According to his son, who is also God, according to scripture, his word is like bread and I need it for today. Then if I approach that God on those terms, I'm going to say, God, you're the one who gave me the word. You're the one who wants to communicate to me. You want to talk to me. You've revealed yourself. So surely it's not that difficult, but I need you to reveal yourself to me. So God, I'm asking you today. And I ask every day, Zeke, when I do my devotional time, I take a moment and I pray and I ask God. Lord, would you speak to me through your word today? Because it is very possible to read the Bible and not hear from God. Mm-hmm. And because we're approaching him in faulty terms, we're trying to know about him rather than know him. God doesn't do that. God answers to the broken heart, the contract spirit. So it's the man or woman that says, God, I actually don't know a whole lot. And I want you to talk to me because I want to know you. It's like taking glasses on. If you, if you need glasses, the first thing you're going to put on in the morning is your glasses. You like put these on so you can see, right? It's like putting spiritual lenses on saying, all right, God, would you give me your eyes? So that I can see your word. And when you do that, according to scripture, God is faithful to give you knowledge and wisdom. Absolutely. I mean, seek ye for, seek me. If you
1: seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. It's a promise. Yeah. It's not a what if. It's not a maybe. It's a mm-hmm. promise. If mm-hmm. you seek me, you will find me mm-hmm. when you seek me with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. I think there's another part where he literally commands. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Seek me wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. That is God's desire. Yeah. Is that you would look for him. And he's giving you all the tools that you need. He's giving you the word. If you're a born again Christian, you have His spirit within you. Mm -hmm. You know, his spirit, one of the names is the helper. Yeah. He's called that because he is God put him here to help us. Yeah. He is our guide. I mean, Waymaker. he's the way he's the yeah. one who figures it out he connects the dot in your brain so that it makes sense mm-hmm. i'm not like and uh the thing with theology you don't have to be a giga brain to understand it the holy spirit is, word? Word, is the one i just made up <laughs> uh, he's the one who connects the dots yes all revel you know it's the holy spirit that draws all men to christ yeah if it weren't for the holy spirit we would have no idea who Jesus is. Yeah. 2,000 years later, he would just be a dude. Yeah. Without the Holy Spirit, he's just a dude yeah. in a faraway country a long, long time ago. Right. But thanks to the Holy Spirit, now we can know him. Yes. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, now this Bible isn't just ink on paper in mm-hmm. a leather cover. Mm-hmm. It's the Word of God. Yes. It is the living bread. Yes. By which we are nourished and that we grow. Yeah. You like. Well, you've been given all that you need, right? It is much it is, and even now with today's technology, it's easier now than it has been ever. Yeah, with all the resources that we have,
0: and I, I like this. You know, in, in the Gospel of John, um, you know, John one eighteen. Uh, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. But it goes on to talk, or it talks before that, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible says in John there that uh, in the beginning was God, it was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. That's Jesus and dwelt among Mm -hmm. us, and we beheld Him. So, I want to say this. I would go, I would make this jump that when you're reading the Bible as the word of God, you're looking into the face of Jesus. You say, I don't know who I am. Well, don't worry about figuring out who you are. Figure out who Jesus is. You say, I don't know what I'm called to do. Well, don't worry about your calling. Figure out what Jesus was called to do. You say, I don't understand what the point of life is. Don't try to figure that out. Look, look, look into the face of God. Cause the book of James says, if we look into the, we need to look into the perfect law of liberty, mm-hmm. right? And the Bible says that if you read the Word of God, you're like a man who looks in a mirror. So the Word of God doesn't just tell me who Jesus is. When I learn who Jesus is, I learn who I am too. And so it's literally like walking around in darkness whenever you're not in the Word of God. And so I would say the fastest way to embrace theology and say, you know what? If this is true, and you might be listening to this, you're like, if this is true, and I'm, I don't, I mean, I'm talking to you like I know who you are. I don't know wherever you are listen to. And the truth is, I'm talking to Zeke. I'm talking to me. I, I joke a lot of times. I say that whenever I'm talking, I'm like, I don't know if that helped, but it sounded good to me. And I needed to hear mm-hmm. me say it. It's funny how it works. But I'm reinvigorated even in this moment to dive deeper into the study of the things of God. Why? Because if it's true that what I think about God is the most important thing about me, because it frames everything else that I think, I want to I have a right understanding of God. I wanna see God. Bless you the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I wanna see him. I wanna know him. It's like Evelyn. I you know, my wife, um, when I was eighteen, I already like I was head over heels for her. And we spent a year apart, you know. I was at my Bible internship for Bible school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was in the mall one day, and this girl walks past me and I smell Evelyn's scent. I could smell it. It's a Japanese cherry blossom, and it was from Bath and Body Works. I figured that out later. This girl had it on. I didn't know the name of it. I didn't know the name of Evelyn's scent. I didn't know her fragrance. I didn't know what she'd sprayed on herself last thing before she left the house. But I knew her smell. And when I smelled it in the mall, it reminded me of her. Why? Because I knew her scent. And it's so possible to be acquainted with God that we know his scent. We know his thoughts. We know his heart. We know his will. It's easy to discern when something's not of the Lord because you're just like, that is just not my Jesus. Like, I know him. There are a lot of people that even have the word theologian next to their name that know about God. There's a lot fewer people that actually know him. Dr. Brassfield, Dr. Phil Brassfield told me this one time. I think you'll appreciate this analogy, Zeke. He talked about when him and his wife, Kathy, got to vacation out to the Grand Canyon for the first time. And he stood outside of it. And he said, if you stand next to the Grand Canyon on the edge, looking down into it, it's like majesty. It's like, wow, there is a God. He said, it's easy to drive up, get off the bus, and stand next to the Grand Canyon and take a picture and look at it for a few minutes, take it in. But he asked somebody, "How? are there people that actually go down in it? They went, oh, yeah. They're like, But it's very difficult. Like, what? It? It's going to take you days to get down into the trenches of the Grand Canyon. And then you're going to have to camp down in there. But if you get down in it, you get to look at the streams. You get to see all these amazing things that you could never even imagine are on this earth. But it takes days to get in takes days to get out. It's a journey. And Dr. Brassfield said, man, there are people that stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon. They get to church on Sunday. They hear a preacher talk about the things of God. And it's enough to go, wow, there is a God. I needed to know that. They may even take a snapshot. They may even go to a conference. They may even go to a conference and take, take pictures and go, wow, this is awesome. I bought a t-shirt? Mm-hmm. Just like they do at the Grand Canyon. But then there's some people that look at that majesty and say, oh my goodness, there's got to be more. And they're willing to take the steps, go down into it, canoe the streams, camp at the base, and really explore. And it's really like that in the depth of the knowledge of God. There's so much more. Yeah,
1: I think I'm reminded in John 17, verse 3, Jesus, this is straight from his mouth, says, and this is eternal life. That they, and when he says they, he's speaking about his people, his disciples, and the people to come that are going to be a part of him. Mm -hmm. They know you, Mm. the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing the Father. Yeah. Eternal life is not a location. It's good. It's not an after-death spot where Mm -hmm. we spend eternity. It is knowing him personally. And all that is wrapped up in knowing Him. I mean, knowing Him with your brain will get easier the more you do it and the longer Mm -hmm. that you stay into it. But it is knowing Him. It's knowing His person. It's knowing what He's like. It's getting familiar with His personality and His traits and His
0: likes and dislikes. Yes. Diving deeper. I love that. And that's why Jesus said, you'll have life and life more abundantly. Because you'll have life eternally in heaven, right? But you'll have life abundantly now. Yeah, he didn't stop at life. He no. Stopped, he life it abundantly. starts now, knowing mm-hmm. God. And if that's the case, that means knowing God is life. Yeah. It's like breath. And, and we shouldn't be surprised. He said he's the bread of life. We need bread. He said it's, he's like the breath. Mm-hmm. He's living water. Everything that you – and he said, come to me and you find rest. So you know, the four things you need as a human being to exist is not a bigger house or a bigger car or more likes on Instagram. It's food. Mm-hmm. Breath, water, right, and um, and rest. Jesus is all of those things, and I like that idea that you talked about theology. Right, eternal life is knowing God. I, I, I mean, wrapping up this conversation, it's fired me up. I, I like this quote uh, from Bill Johnson that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." And so I'd encourage you, listen, if you're 14 and you're listening to this, if you're 24 and you're listening to this, you can have perfect theology by being acquainted with the Savior. And you want to know how? Well, for starters, pray. But beyond that, literally, I'd encourage people. You know, this day, Zeke, I had somebody uh, message me a few weeks ago and said, hey, I've not been reading the Bible and I need to start. They're a 16, 17-year-old. So where do I start? We've got a red reading calendar at the church. Uh, I highly recommend getting a reading plan because if you want to have well-rounded theology and have a well-rounded view of God, you know it's good to be reading the Gospel of John while you're reading the Book of Leviticus and making sense of it through the Law of Galatians, mm-hmm. right? And maybe reading some Revelation to see what what's coming in the end. That's great. But for this guy, I said, "Listen, man," and I tell everybody this: the first place I tell them to start in the Bible is the Gospel of John. And any of the Gospels be fine, but. I would say start in the Gospels, yeah. period. I love the Gospel of John. You just quoted John 17. We get the most heartfelt look of the Savior and his thoughts about God through the Gospel of John. But any of them are fine. But start with the Gospels. Why? Because you're reading Jesus. When I first got saved, I read Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And I didn't have to have a theology degree. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, His righteous all things be given to you. I decided right then my theology, my 16-year-old theology, it guided everything. It guided whether or not I was going to date while I was in high school. It gathered whether or not I was going to work, what type of job I was going to work, if I was going to go to college. It guided all these things was this. Jesus said, if I seek God first, I'll be given everything else. So my theology taught me that everything good that I'm called to do comes from God. So if I get him, I get all of it. And everybody is like, well, everybody was stressing out. I don't know where to go to college. I don't know what to major in. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know if this girl's the one. I'm just like sitting over here chilling. Like I'm seeking God mm-hmm. and I'll wind up there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I, it's like the GPS with the blue dot. Here's my blue dot. Here's my destination. And as long as I'm on the grid, I'll get there. And that was my theology. Well, it's because I was seeking him first. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. And so I'd encourage you open up the gospel of John and just read his words. And remember this, you're not, Digging for some buried treasure at first. There's a lot of treasure you don't go in expecting. But read the word as it's written. Ask God to open your eyes. And when you're looking at Jesus in the Gospels, you're looking into the face of God. And if you're looking in the face of God, surely you'll come away knowing what he looks like and what he thinks.
1: Yeah. I'd probably say around the last thing, you know, when they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? His response was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So in order to fully complete the greatest commandment, a requirement is to engage your mind. And I would just encourage you, if you are if you're really insecure about your IQ, you think like one of your biggest struggles is thinking that you're not smart enough and thinking that you're too slow or whatnot. I'll just encourage you. Holy Spirit is a helper. Like the Bible's not yes. lying whenever he says that. Ask and you shall receive. You've been given the mind mm-hmm. of Christ. All things are available to you. James says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously, yeah. without reproach, yeah. to all who come before him. So have faith and ask. Don't be. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for anything less than the full gospel and the full reality right. of who Jesus is. Yeah. So I just encourage you to don't be, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. And even in as we're coming to the end of times, don't be deceived. You need to know what is happening. You need to know the Lord. You need to know what he's like. You need to know his heart mm-hmm. so that you won't. Get off the trail. You won't go way off into right or left field. Yes. You, but you'll stay straight. And you'll be, if you do, I mean, if you do keep all these qualities, knowledge is one of them, you will be effective. You will be efficient. You will be fruitful. And you will remain
0: yeah. even to the end of days. I love it. I love it. That's good. Everyone is a theologian, including me, including Zeke, including you. You can't escape it. can't run from it. But if you're going to be a theologian, you might as well be a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How do you do it? Seek God, read his word, ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. There's three people in the equation, right? God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read the words of Christ. That way we can feel the heart of the Father. But before we do anything, we're going to ask the help of the Holy Spirit who will open up our eyes so we can see wonderful things from His law. It's been real, bro. Yes, sir. Epic. This month, March, we're talking about theology. And if you got a question about theology or how to study the Word of God or the Bible or prayer or anything like that, shoot us a DM on our Instagram account at river.students. We'd love to answer your question on this podcast coming soon. And until next time, have a great week. Be blessed.